0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Man, you're doing well, you're doing well. You look good. You look as good as you've ever been. I feel like last time I left, you've all lost a little bit of weight. Went shopping at Target, on the husband's side. But man, it's so good, um, like Pastor John said, to be home. Man, anybody thankful for a church home? Come on, come on, you thankful for a church home? What I do know about this service tonight in this church home is it's a rainy July 3rd night, so whoever's here, we're filled with faith, ready to go. We didn't show up to be lackadaisical. We came ready, full of faith, expecting God to move, because we could be eating a red, white, and blue popsicle right now, getting ready for Independence Day. But there's one thing better than that, and it's in his house. And made it so good to be home on behalf of you know Hannah and I. Uh, we just want to thank the Weems and the whole team here at Celebration and Jacks, you know Pastor Chris, Pastor Brian, Pastor Clay, Pastor John, Pastor There's so many pastors. It's like an Italian dish, pasta pasta pasta. But man, we love you guys so much. Uh, come on, can you give it up for the for the staff, the house our lead pastors, Pastor Stovall, Pastor Carey, you know, they've entrusted us, if you don't know us, they've entrusted us to go expand the family and the house in South Florida to eat some Cuban food, to get flicked off in traffic and uh, have a good time. And we've loved it. And uh, man, it's, it's been a joy the, the past two years we've been down there. For anyone who's prayed and give and uh, who, who's given and, and even thought about us, I just want to thank you. You know, people's lives have been changed through your sacrifice. You know, you sowed, we're reaping. And uh, I'm a crier. Welcome to a Lifetime movie. But thank you on behalf of our church. Thank you for everything. Um, Let's go to the Bible so I can stop crying. Since I left, I had a kid. I forgot to send the picture of my baby boy. Um, He's one year old. He's about 100 pounds. Um, So thick, ready to play middle linebacker like Pastor Brian. Um, But man, it's been such a joy. My wife is here with me. Love you, babe. Can you give it up for my wife? If you don't know her, she's way better looking than me. But turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, when you get there, so go, say go Jags. All I know, uh, Pastor John, when uh, I left Jags, I thought Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to get better. I did. I thought they were going to get better. Um, thankfully, Celebration Church has grown and gotten better. Because any Jags fans in the house would have a disappointing life if that's all they had to look forward to. But we're believing for a big season. Nick Foles, we love you. Get healthy. Amen. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to dive right in and have a little bit of fun. Um, but honestly, I'm not here to entertain you. And I think that's what I love about celebration. We can't come to church for entertainment. We find that in the world. We come here for an encounter and to find something we can't find anywhere else. And that's why I'm here. I didn't come to, uh, from South Florida to find nice people In country clubs, we came here to encounter the presence of God. And I love what 2 Kings is about to show us. Starting in verse 1, it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. She said, Your servant, my husband, he's dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take his sons, his two boys, as slaves. And Elisha replied, Well, how can I help? What can I do? Tell me. What do you have in the house?" And your servant, she replied, your servant has nothing, I have nothing at all, except a smart jar of olive oil. Well, Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars and don't ask for just a few, ask for all that you can find. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into those jars. And as each is filled, put one to the side and she left him and she shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. I love it. She just, she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And he replied, well, there's not a jar left. And then in verse seven, it says the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, Elisha, And he said, go sell your oil, pay for your debts and you and your sons, you can live on the rest. Today and tonight, I wanna speak to you from a message I've entitled, When It Pours, It Rains. When it pours, it rains. Why don't you pray? Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your presence that we sang about earlier, that there are things we can find there we can find nowhere else. We thank you for your presence that provides joy, and fullness of joy. Lord, we thank you for your presence that provides hope. God, I pray right now over every single person here. Every heart will be open. Every eye will see you and you alone. And Lord, I thank you for the Jags for favor in Jesus name. Amen. Pray that every Sunday, pray for the Falcons. It hasn't worked really well, but we're going to keep on trying. Second Kings chapter four is one of my favorite passages. One of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. See, in second Kings, we're coming into this this character. We find this prophet, one of my favorite prophets in the Old Testament. His name is Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. See, Elijah, J is before S in the alphabet. Elijah came before Elisha. Elijah was a prophet many people in this time looked at as the great prophet. And Elijah was going to ascend to heaven. And at the end of his life, he, he asked Elisha, his protege, what do you want? And he said, I want a double portion of your mantle. And God gave him the double portion. And Elisha had the double portion of Elijah. And he goes on to do great miracles. In 2 Kings chapter 3, we see Elisha perform a miracle for three kings. Three influential, like famous politicians. And he performs this great miracle for them. And in 2 Kings 4, Elisha is actually on his way to a Shunammite woman's house who's really rich. She's got a lot of money. She invested in Amazon years ago. And what you see in the middle of a rich and famous person and that God was visiting a a famous person and a rich person is you find a poor person, a lowly person, a poor widow who lost her husband. See, at this time, the man would bring in the income. He would bring in the resources. He was the person to provide for the family and her husband, who was a prophet and who knew Elisha, he died. And all of his debt that he had was now put on the shoulders of this poor widow. I think it's actually amazing news that God will show up in between the rich and the famous to a poor person because it can show anyone, anyone is worthy of an invitation and and, and an an appointment with God. I think a lot of you in here, you think he he can show up to this person and that person, but not me. No, in the middle of his story is you, the poor person, the lowly person, the person who has nothing to offer. And this woman... She had nothing to offer. She was about to lose her two sons. See, if you had a debt at this time and this context, the creditor would come to your house and not take your stuff. He would take your future. He would take the next generation. He was gonna take her two sons to be slaves for seven years. So before the creditors come, she goes to Elisha and say, Elisha, you knew my husband. He was a good man. He loved the Lord, but the creditors are coming and you know what's gonna happen. They're gonna take my kids, they're gonna take my future, and everything's over. Can you help me? He said, yeah, I can help you. I, I can help you, but we have to establish a few things. I-, I love that this woman comes with a deficit. I think many of you were, would probably uh, remove yourself from this story, but you need to know that poverty shows up in many forms outside of finances. Poverty can show up. You can be rich in finances and poor in relationships. You can be rich in your your health and and poor in your emotions. See, poverty is not a financial financial thing. Poverty is a spirit thing. And I'm speaking to all of us who have deficits. Am I right? We all have an area that we have a gap. We have something for God to fill. And right here we find a woman with a deficit and God is about to wipe it clean and remove the debt. But I wanna talk about what he worked through to provide this miracle. See, when this woman went to Elisha, and Elisha started to, to lay out the plan of how God was going to remove the debt and provide the miracle. He started with a few things. The first thing you see God work through in this story was her house. He showed up. The woman said, hey, um, Elisha, can you help me out? He said, yeah, what, what do you want me to do? Tell, tell me what you want me to do. Um, what do you have in your house? And she was like, um, okay. Did I not just tell you I, I don't have anything? The creditor's like, I don't have anything to put on eBay, nothing. I don't, I don't have anything. He said, what do you have in the house? She said, I have nothing. And I can imagine Elisha had the same response that I have to my wife getting ready. You got nothing? My wife goes and looks at her closet, goes through 17 shirts, 14 blouses, 1,800 dresses. Babe, I have nothing to wear. Nothing? Nothing? You don't see that room that your clothes live in, the closet? Like You don't have a dresser. You have a room for your clothes, and you have nothing. I can imagine Elisha had that same response to the woman. So you you don't have a couch you're sitting on right now? You got nothing? And she said, oh yeah, I have a small jar of oil. He said, cool, let's start there. See what I need you to understand is the miracle you need in your life, it starts in your house. It starts with what you have. It starts with where you're at. It doesn't start with what you need. It starts with what's in your hands. And she said, I've got nothing. And Elisha is redefining nothing. And I think God wants to do that in some of our lives. He wants to redefine what you call nothing. I have nothing except. What except are you saying God can't use? Because potentially what you're overlooking is the miracle God wants to provide. What is the miracle in your life is often hidden in what you overlook. I have nothing but. I have a bad job. I, I, I have no income except I have no family except that except could be the thing God wants. So what do you have in your house? You got a jar of oil. You don't have nothing. Church, I think some of you need to hear this. You may not have everything, but you have something. You may not have all that you want, but you have all that you need. You have something. You have more than you think you do. That jar of oil that you're despising is actually something God wants to use and bring as a solution. Don't overlook the job that you have right now. Don't overlook the family that you're seeking for because you have a family right now. You got something. You have it. I think too often we overestimate our scarcity and underestimate our supply. We have nothing. We may not have everything, but can you remember we have a source? I don't have all that I want, but I know in him I have all that I need. And so my scarcity is great, but my supply is greater. Don't overestimate what you don't have when you realize I have in Christ all that I need. My supply is great. You need a promotion. Guess what? Promotion doesn't come from the east, the west or the south. You know It comes from above. You have a financial need. Guess what? I know your scarcity is real, but you have a supplier that has a cattle on a thousand hill. Your source is great. You have nothing, you got something. You have all that you need. What you call insignificant, God calls miraculous. That jar, oh yeah, bring it to me. Let's use it. See here, I think the reason the woman said I have nothing is because she's working from a notion of what she used to have when her husband was there. I had a lot, but now I have nothing. And church, I wanted some of you to hear this today. I'm sorry for what you've lost. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost family members. Maybe you've lost joy. Maybe you feel like you've lost purpose or you've lost stuff. I don't know what you've lost, but I think if Elisha were to show up and God were to show up in the same context that he showed up here, he would say, yeah, I'm sorry. I know what you lost is painful, but can I remind you what you have left is powerful? It's enough. It's enough. You lost a job, but what you have now is just all that you need. You don't have what you need for what you have for what you need in this life. It's in the house. It's here. It's in the house. Don't despise the oil that you have. See, this oil jar that we're speaking of here in 2 Kings 4 isn't a big olive oil jar that you would cook with. This is a small anointing jar of oil that probably her husband left for her. It was anointing oil. It was small. It was insignificant. Oil in the Bible represents power, represents anointing. It represents the Holy Spirit, represents joy and gladness. And I think too many times, I just want to encourage some of you to not despise the oil that you have. You know, you have oil in the house. You've been given power in your life. You have acceptance in the father. When David was anointed a king as king at 16 years old, what did they pour over his life? Oil. What did it represent? Empowerment, approval, acceptance, inclusion. When his dad removed him, God included him. Some of you, t- you need to know you have oil in the house. You have oil in your life. Don't despise it. It may feel small, but you have some oil in the house. Why is the oil so, hard to dis- so easy to despise in this world? Because we have so many, uh, so many ways to check out other people's oil, right? I don't like my oil because I see his oil on Instagram. I saw his vacation with his family at Sandals, all inclusive for seven days. This pool by this pine tree, I don't like this oil. Nope, say my oil. So easy to get caught up in other people's oil. Try to run your life on their oil. But could it be true that you maybe run like a car that not every car runs on the same oil? Could it be true God gave you the oil to run your life that only you can run in? That maybe you have a different type of oil because you have a different type of gift and a different different type of call. Don't despise the oil that you have. Don't overlook it. Don't keep passing by it. What you have in the house is enough. I'm even here to declare a celebration. What we have in the house is enough to move forward. What you have in your house is enough to push your family. You you didn't have a father going up. Guess what? God gave you oil to push your family forward in your house. You didn't know what it looked like to be a parent. Guess what? You have the oil that you need to raise your kids. You got oil. God worked through the house. He started with where she was. He started with what she had. And then he said, what do you have? I have some oil. And then he moved on. The second thing you see him work through is her hands. He said, I'm going to start in the house. But we're gonna go, and now you're gonna do some work. You're gonna be involved in this. is a DIY, DIY, do-it-yourself miracle. Sometimes in the kingdom, it's a DIY project. God's gonna ask you to do it. What, what kind of oil you have? Go, go get some vessels. Bring them to the house. Shut the door, and pour. Her sons. I love that she got her sons to get the the vessels. Right? Any parents in here? Hey, hey, go get me some vessels. We need to cut the yard. Hudson's one year old. Next year, he's going to be cutting grass. Hudson, go get those vessels, son. The sons bring the vessels. And the Bible says, as the vessels came to her, she started pouring. She had a deficit. She had a need. She had a debt. And she had a small, small jar of oil. And God's solution to her deficit and her debt was to pour out what she had. Pour it out. Pour into these vessels pour into these jars pour it out so many of us we want more in our life but you know what happens here in the story The, the 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 oil did not become more until she poured see see we live in a kingdom that wants it to be when it rains it pours but could it be that when it when it when it pours it rains that as you pour it becomes more and as you give it comes back to you maybe you have to sow what you need in order to reap it She started pouring and it flowed. She started pouring and it kept flowing. As you pour, heaven will pour. You see it in this story. It's not a kingdom of when it rains, it pours. It's a kingdom of Proverbs 11. Those who refresh others, guess what? They're refreshed too. Maybe you need encouragement in your life. Can I tell you the best thing for you? You're discouraged right now. You don't need someone to encourage you. You need to encourage someone else. Because you'll find encouragement and guess what? You'll still be thinking about you. And you'll never be fulfilled. Could it be that God's kingdom is as I pour this way, he pours behind me. He gives, he uses what I have. Some of you, you're sitting on your oil. You're not pouring it. You're not using it because it's so insignificant. And what if I pour it and what if I give it? And the reality is, is the reason you aren't pouring is you feel poor. Because when you feel poor, you don't pour right? When I feel like I don't have enough, I'm never going to give what I have. But God's kingdom is sometimes you have to pour what you have in order to get what you need. And this woman shows the poor widow who had nothing in her house, but a jar of oil that his kingdom works of pouring. And I love in verse five, actually the beginning of it, you know how it starts. It's so amazing. It said, bring me the vessels. And then there's these three words. Maybe four, I can't count. I was in fourth grade for four years. Not really. And it said, as she poured, the vessels flowed and the oil flowed. Have you ever seen the scripture when Jesus was baptized? When did heaven open? As he prayed. You ever seen the story of the 10 lepers that were healed? When were they healed? As they went to the priest. Maybe miracles are in motion. Maybe more happens as you pour. And then in verse seven, it says she shut the door behind her and she kept pouring and pouring and pouring. And church, I wanted to encourage some of you today to keep pouring. Yes. That marriage that's not, not working out, keep pouring into it. Come on. Those finances that aren't working, that don't look your, your bank accounts in red, just keep pouring. Yes. When you're here in worship and you feel like you're having a down and out Wednesday night, Keep pouring. Keep pouring into prayer, even though they're not being answered. Keep pouring into people, even though they're not becoming what you want them to become. Just keep pouring. Pour and pour and pour. And as you pour, it will become more. Because you don't pour more as you get more. When you pour more, it becomes more. It will always become more as you pour. He worked through the house. I really want to encourage some of you. You need to reevaluate and take inventory of your house again. You've been telling God you don't have enough. And he's like, no, you got plenty. You may not have all that you want, but you have all that you need. He worked through her hands, just poor. But I love this last point. Keys can join me. Because when he told when Elisha, this prophet, God working through this man, needed to provide a solution for a deficit. And I would imagine some of you need a solution for a deficit in your life. He first started with where she was and what she had, but then he started not with her hands. The third thing, I did this on purpose, was with her hidden place. He said, in order for you to walk into where you're going, you have to shut the door on where you're not. Close the door behind you, close it. Some of you need to understand that the public power you're looking for is found in private pouring don't despise we're all my prayer closet people you know where the greatest miracles happen in private if you're only pouring in public at church you're not pouring enough because really you know what church is about church is really not about you to be poured into it's about you to be poured out I tell our team every single Sunday why are we a faith-filled church we're a faith-filled church to be emptied not to be filled Shut the door behind you. Start start seeking God in private. Don't despise what it looks like to get in private and cry out to God. Elisha said, hey, even shut out your sons. What are some things in your life you need to shut the door on? Maybe some old habits. Hey, shut the door on those habits. Maybe a better question. Who do you need to shut the door on? Who in your life is, is the barrier to the miracle? If Elijah were to show up today, he would say, this one, this one, this one, shut the door on him, let's go, we gotta move forward. Shut the door behind you. Some of you need that in your life, you need a discipline of, God, I can't just find you in public, I gotta find you when no one else is looking. Have you ever noticed the life of Jesus? When he went to the Father, how did he go? Alone. There were times the disciples came to him after they saw him pray. They say, hey, I saw you do that. Can can you teach me to do that? But he made a habit of, this is an us thing. This is a private pouring. Because in order for me to fill these public promises and public provisions, and like you want a, a public ministry, guess what, you're gonna have to have a private seeking life. We wanna be discovered in the light, but are we willing to be developed in the dark? You know how long Jesus did ministry? Three years. You know how long he lived in darkness? 30. Shut the door. Shut the door on some things. But I would even say this. Some of you need to shut the door behind you on what is behind you. In Isaiah, there's this amazing passage that the prophet Isaiah says of what God does, what's what behind you. Some of you, you have a bad past. Maybe some of you, you've slidden back to your past. What was past is now present again you've walked back into that life. And Isaiah would tell you that if God were to look at your situation and look at your circumstance and look at your life, here's what he would tell you that he's done with what is behind you. Isaiah 38 verse 17 says, God did not lead you into a pit of destruction. He actually saved you from the pit of destruction. And here's what he did. Jesus He's talking of God. He's talking of Jesus. He said, you put all my sins behind your back. You shut the door behind you on my past. You shut the door behind you on my mistakes. You shut the door behind you on my failures. You shut the door behind you on my shame. You shut the door behind you on my deficit and you provided me a new future. Some of you tonight, can I just please free you from the bondage you've been living in, where you were free but the scripture says now you've enslaved yourself with the old yoke? Shut it behind you. Leave it behind you. God takes you from glory to glory, not glory to bondage back to glory, glory to glory, strength to strength, freedom to freedom, grace to grace, mercy to mercy, provision to provision, like just, just leave it behind you. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a thing, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's just your mind. And some of you, you're mentally living in yesterday, but you're trying to live out today. Shut it behind you. Don't despise the hidden place. I love this story because God worked through the house. Anybody thankful that God can work through my house? I don't have to go outsourcing solutions, I have it in the house. I have what I need, it's in the family, it's in, the, it's, in, it's in my inheritance. You don't need another inheritance, you have it in Jesus. He's gonna work through the house, he's gonna work through my hands, and he's gonna work through the hidden place, and I love here how it ends. God. He pays the debt of the woman, and it said there were no more vessels. She poured in the vessels, and as she poured, the oil flowed. I love that heaven never stopped pouring until earth started stopped providing a container. Some of you, all God needs to pour in your life is an empty vessel. You're just willing, and a- the best ability you can give the kingdom is availability. I'm here, I'm willing, I'm able, use me. And he paid this woman's debt. Look what it says in the end of the chapter. The oil stopped flowing. Band can go ahead and join me. And then Elisha said, pay your debts. What you came seeking for, you got. Your sons are free. You can have your family. The debt your your husband created, I've now paid for. I love that God paid a debt that the woman didn't create. Some of you need to know that for your family. There's a debt other people in your family have created. Guess what? He's a merciful. He's a provider. He can pay that debt too. Your father put a debt in your family that you think is a curse. Well, well, everyone's been divorced and everyone's been an alcoholic and everyone's been a drug addict. No, no. He paid that debt too. You've been cleansed. You've been given a new inheritance. You've been given a new nature. You actually don't have a family curse because your new family tree says you're healed and saved and forgiven? You don't have, you actually have a new family. He paid the debt of her past. He said, go pay your debts. But look what else it says in verse seven. Hey, you and your sons, by the way, side note, just a little extra for you, go live off the rest. Aren't you thankful God doesn't just pay the bill of your past, but he also pays the bill of your future? He doesn't just take care of yesterday. He takes care of, because he is God. He's not something who does God. He is God, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if mercy paid for the past, then mercy is going to pay for the future. And God didn't just give me grace for my sins yesterday. He gave me grace for them tomorrow. Some of you, you need to know, stop worrying about the future, because he paid your past debt, but he also paid the bill of the future. And how many of you know, when you go to dinner with someone who is balling, you don't care what's on the menu. I'm ordering it all, because I know who's paying for the bill. When I go to dinner with my dad, hey, dad, you're paying filet mignon, lobster, whatever you got, bring it all over. Why? Because I don't got to bring out my wallet. (laughs) Same thing for you. You actually don't have to. Tap into your income for the bill of your future. Hey, the grace that saves you and got you here is the grace that's gonna keep you and get you there. Some of you thought mercy was an old day thing. What does it tell us in Lamentations? It's new every morning. It's there every day. It's there forever. Before you wake up and get Starbucks and a Chick-fil-A biscuit, mercy's gonna slap you in the face every day. Why? Here's what I need you to know. God will not only pay the debt of your past, but the bill of your future. Why? Because the creditor was coming to take his kids. The creditor wanted the future. This reminds me of the enemy. John 10.10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But there's a comma in that verse and it says, but Jesus has come to give life and life to the full. I love that what the creditor came to take, God came to restore. The woman's future was down and out, but God said, hey, I got a future in me that is better tomorrow than it was today. I'm gonna restore it. God has paid your bill, church. Not just the one of yesterday. You remember the feeding of the 5,000? There was an insignificant oil there. Remember, Jesus said, is there anything here to feed? And the disciples said, nah, I don't, nah, there's no Chick-fil-A around. It's actually Sunday, Jesus. Come on, you should know that. No Chipotle near. Zoe's is not delivering right now. We don't have anything to feed these people. Except, man, except shows up again. That God wants to use what you think is an exception. Except a little boy with a Lunchable. He said, cool, bring it to me. And he took these two fish and five loaves and he broke it and he fed 5,000 people. He paid the bill of that debt, that past, that current satisfaction. But what else happened at the end of the story? It also said after everyone ate, they were all satisfied. He told the disciples, pick up the leftovers, gather it together and bring it to me. And then it said there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. How many disciples picked up leftovers? Twelve. How many baskets were left over? Twelve asked to show us in the kingdom of God, we're always going to leave with leftovers. We never leave with what we, what we need. We always leave with more than enough. You're leaving with leftovers. You're walking away with a bill paid, not just for yesterday, but today. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.